0: Hi folks, um, we are back again for our next uh, Lent meditation on Thursday of the fifth week of Lent, um, coming from Wondrous Encounters, Scripture for Lent, written by Richard Raw. And the title is All Glory is Reflected Glory. The readings are Genesis 17, 3-9 and John 8, 51-59. Now folks, I just want to just share a little caveat here. This is not an easy commentary that Richard has written and I have struggled with it a bit and I was almost at the point where I um, thought I'm going to actually skip this one, but then I read it again and I thought, now there is something here that I I can see. So I'm going to just go ahead and work with me and wait until the commentary and see if that makes it a little clearer if you do find it a bit challenging. So here we go. In the first reading from Genesis, we have an encounter between Yahweh and Abraham. I just want to stop there because I've been meaning to explain this for a long time. Yahweh, in case you don't know, is a word used for God. Okay. And the reason why they call him Yahweh is because actually in that word there isn't a consonant. Um, It is spelt with consonants, but if you say it, there's no consonant. So it's Yahweh, okay? Um, And they call that name the breath of God because you can breathe, you can breathe that name, you know? Let me try, Um, Yahweh, so it's like a meditational prayer that you can use that name for and start again. In the first reading from Genesis, we have an encounter between Yahweh and Abraham when he is 99 years old. It is a third time repeat of his first call Each time, adding a few new elements to the meaning of their relationship or covenant. But one thing that does not change is that all through the relationship, that all through... I'm going to read that one again. But one thing that does not change is that although the relationship is totally initiated, and invited from God's side it is still a bilateral covenant. There is always a bit more of a requirement expected from Abraham each time leaving his country and family the sacrifice of animals and here there will be required circumcision and belief that he will have a son at which both he and his wife, Sarah, laughed. The God-human relationship must start bilaterally. It's the only way to get us into the boxing ring. It is the only way to hold us still in one place long enough. So the beginnings of the give and take of relationship can happen. But it's not the final goal. Many, if not most, never get beyond religion as requirements. What does your religion require of you? Is it that, is that wrong in your denomination? Is, it is the question of the rich young man, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Since all human relationships are bilateral, in brackets, least of all, the parent, child, close brackets, we tend to structure all of our experiences that way. In other words, we are almost totally unprepared for God unless we know how a perfect parent might love a child unilaterally gradually as the Hebrew people are continually unfaithful to the initial Abrahamic covenant we will see that it becomes more and more unilateral from Yahweh's side really quite wonderful God does it all whether or not we cooperate at all. I would not believe it myself if I did not read the successive covenants with Noah, David and of course what Jeremiah predicts and we eventually call the new covenant with Jesus. Each succeeding time God in effect says I might as well let you in on the big secret. I do it all anyway. Jesus becomes the living icon of that new and everlasting covenant where God does all the loving and we do all the receiving. It is symbolized every time we hand out the cup of his blood to you and say the new and everlasting covenant. I presume he's referring to the Eucharist. This gives you a foundation and background with which to read the gospel today. Jesus himself stands in right relationship with his Father and receives all his glory from him. It is a fully reflected glory and therefore unwavering, constant, infinite and from one source. This is exactly the eternal life that he speaks of here and then even tells us we can have it too. So you see the sequencing. Jesus perfectly reflects God, reflects God's glory given from the Father. Then we are invited to receive and reflect that same glory which is reflected from Jesus. It is all a reflection received, a glory given, inherent and unilateral gift from God's side. Bracket, remember we are not talking about psychological or moral worthiness here. We are talking about metaphysical identity, so beyond the physical identity, our true self which is our birthright from God. We humans are always unwhole, but we still receive and can ever more perfectly reflect our divine identity in God. This is the great I am, which Jesus claims at the very end of today's gospel, in eight verse eight eight, sorry, chapter eight, verse fifty-eight in John. And yet, because they refuse to see it in themselves or in him, they in inverted commas throw rocks at him. <clears throat> it is not just hating him, but it's an expression of their own self-hatred. Read the passage below, which is so central and crucial for our understanding that I will add my commentary within the text. I'm going to do that towards the end and I'm going to do it a little differently. So that's the end of the, the commentary. So, okay, folks, let's go back and just see. So first of all, um, what is being talked about here is a relationship with God and, and Richard talks about a bilateral and a unilateral relationship. And as far as I can understand, he's moving forward in in, in stages. And he talks about um, Abraham and the covenant he made with Abraham and the things that he required Abraham to do in return for the blessing of a son, and for being the father of the Jewish nation. Um, Some quite miraculous things like having a child at 99, and Sarah, his wife, wasn't much younger than that. So let's just come to grips with this um, bilateral and unilateral relationship. So. A unilateral relationship is a relationship where one person is doing all the input, you know. The other person is just wafting around, but they're in relationship, but the other person is not giving much to the relationship, okay? So it's a one-sided relationship. A bilateral relationship is a two-sided relationship where there's a connection and an interchange between the two people Involved, and uh, Richard says, you know that when we are born, we start off. We start off in this um, bilateral relationship with with God, because we because we can't. We have to get to know Him. We have to. um, He calls it getting uh, into the boxing thing. I don't really like that, Richard, but we have to place ourselves within God's presence in order to start the spiritual journey, but later on, this relationship does become unilateral, so he uses the example of um, the Israelites, who just continued to disobey God, but God continued to love them. So that was a unilateral relationship, and he, he's talking about us as well. We, we, you know we, we, we grow up, we tend to be in relationship with God through our parents um, initially, and then we become independent and you know we make all these choices and we, we might decide we're not interested in a relationship God with God, but God will continue to love us, nevertheless with whether we are connecting with Him whether we aren't, He will still love us. And if at some point we turn and allow Him into our lives and we, uh, we then start to change that relationship back into a bilateral relationship. And the more that we grow in our spirituality <clears throat> and the closer we become to God, the more perfectly we can reflect God's identity in the world. Okay, so now that's coming from the sort of platform or foundation that God is within us. So if we are in a unilateral relationship with God, He is in us, but we don't acknowledge Him. Okay. If we are in a bilateral relationship with God and we follow Him, we reflect God's glory in the world, or in this case, Jesus' glory in the world. And that is that little um, thing that he talks about. Um, <coughs> yeah, because I can't find it now. Hey? But it's, where, um, it's the bit about where uh, the glory of God is, re- is in Jesus it is it is divinely reflected in jesus okay in a two way street and then we being god's creation and god's love loving people we then also get the glory of god from jesus I'm just I'm just putting this like this for simplific- simplification because it's not quite right. Um, we, so we that we then reflect Jesus' love into the world. Okay, so that's how that works. God gets, uh, Jesus gets the glory from God and reflects it into us, and we then take that and reflect it in the world if we are in a bilateral relationship with Jesus. If we not acknowledge Jesus then we will not reflect that glory but it will still be there within us how are you doing so far am I uh, I turning any lights on here (laughs) sounds awfully complicated Uh, so um, I just thought there was something I wanted to mention Okay, well, you know, I think that's enough to chew on for the moment. Um, I'm just looking at how he ends off. Um, okay, so 8.58 in the gospel. Well, he hasn't got it yet. But he's talking about how um, we can actually, this relationship, if if it doesn't become bilateral, if we choose not to walk with the, with God, it can be uh, it can become a relationship of self-hatred so if we don't acknowledge and embrace the glory and the love of god into our lives it can be that we will end up in a relationship with ourselves of self-hatred hatred okay and um I'm going to stop there, okay. So, the reading. Now, the way Richard has done this is that he's put these explanatory comments next to almost every phrase. And it's very, very um, difficult to take it all in. And it spoils the reading. So, I'm going to read the reading without Richard's comments. And I'll come back to that. So, without Richard's comments, the reading... If I glorify myself, it's God speaking, that glory means nothing. He who gives me the glory is the Father, the very one you claim for your God. But you do not know him, but I know him. If I said I do not know him, I beg your pardon. This is Jesus speaking. I would be no better than you, a liar. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't like that word liar either. But what, um, what God is, what uh, Jesus is saying here? If I glorify myself, that glory means nothing. He who gives me the glory is the Father and the very one you claim for your God. But you do not know him, but I know him. If I said I do not know him, I would be no better than you a liar. Okay, so he's talking about someone who does not walk with God. Okay, so, and, but Jesus walks with God. So God knows Jesus, Jesus is not a liar. Those of us who don't walk with God and we already have God within us and we know he's there, but we don't want to know him, we would be the liar, okay? Because we're not acknowledge some, acknowledging something that we know is within us, okay? <laughs> oh my word, I'm so sorry. Um, it's actually a beautiful reading, if you can just uh, accept that essence, and not get sort of bogged down in, 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 in the somewhat strange uh, semantics that Richard gets into. Okay, so let's take a big breath and then um, get on with the starter prayer. <laughs> Whew, that very often illuminates things as well. the starter prayer. So here it is. My God, this changes everything. Let it be true for me. Let me see what you saw. Allow me to know that I and all of us are reflections of the eternal glory. My God, this changes everything. Let it be true for me. Let me see what you saw. Allow me to know that I And all of us are reflections of the eternal glory. And with that, I say God bless and amen.